true innovation is happening at the seams of industries now. Industries traditionally have evolved and innovated within them. So whether you take a bank, a telco, or an automotive industry, or any particular industry, they were self-sufficient and they innovated within their island. What's happened with the capabilities that have emerged over the last five, seven years, and now they are colliding in that they are getting into each other's space. So, so that creates the collision. Welcome to another episode of Pioneers of Possible, the show that connects you with the futurists, leaders, dreamers, and builders who have reshaped what's possible in the worlds of business and technology. I'm Des Blanchfield, your host and fellow technologist. Today, I have the honor of having Sanjay Rishi in the studio with me. Hi, Sanjay. How are you? Hi, Des. I'm doing good. How are you? Good to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks so much for making time to catch up with us. Now, uh, for folk who are tuning in, uh, you're in uh, Michigan, just uh, about, I think you said 20 minutes uh, north of Detroit. Is that right? I am indeed, with a foot of snow on the ground. A foot of snow, white Christmas. Well, uh, and I think it's the end of your day there, about between 4, 4.30. It's uh, 8.30 here in the morning in Sydney on the other side of the planet. And uh, I hate to tell you, but it's uh, the sun's just come up. It's going to be about 35 degrees uh, Celsius, which I think is about 98.6 uh, Fahrenheit measure. So we would love to have your snow, but I'm sure you would love to have a sunlight. I would give anything, and I just looked on the Celsius scale, and it's, I think, minus 10 or so uh, where I am. So I'm envious. Ouch. Wow. Okay. Well, look, hey, just to to kick off, for folk who have tuned in and and, uh, are going to get to know you through this uh, half-an-hour conversation with you, could you maybe just give us a quick intro to yourself personally and uh, and also just the role you have? So you understand... um, you're the general manager for the Global Cloud Consulting Services, um, part of the IBM Global Business Services Group. Can maybe just quickly introduce yourself and that role? Uh, sure thing. So uh, I think of, uh, of my role in our organization, Des, as enabling cloud-enabled innovation and transformation. So simply put, I think clients across the board, across industries, across uh, regions and geographies are uh, embarking on these cloud journeys uh, with uh, through different entry points. Some are approaching it from a uh, systems of engagement or developing applications, connecting with customers, their suppliers, uh, their employees in different ways. Others are migrating their, their applications. But just about every uh, client I talk to uh, across industries is looking at how do I innovate, how do I transform, and how do I get ready for the possibilities and the capabilities that this new world of emerging, exploding uh, technologies from IoT to blockchain to to speed and innovation, how do we bring that? So I see our business, my business, and and our business uh, to enable that and help clients adopt cloud, strategize around it, and, and go through this journey. Now, before we dive too deep into the actual role itself, I'd love to just get a bit of insight into you personally. I, when we were chatting earlier before we hit record, uh, you mentioned that you'd uh, earned a doctor or PhD in, in, in management, particularly uh, studying the role of, of change and particularly changing people and management within organizations. So, uh, and, you, and you mentioned that you'd had a role at some point in your amazing career uh, as a CIO uh, and that had given you a particular um, uh, opportunity to, to gain some insight on what it was like on being on the other side of the fence uh, uh, of effectively what are now your clients. But at that stage, you became the customer 
I think you mentioned that uh, you found it very constructive in getting a better sense of what that was like for them and, and the sorts of challenges they're facing. And, and I think you mentioned it sort of, you know, developing effectively an empathy or an understanding of what that CIO role not just entailed in a technical sense, but also the, I think you mentioned the transformation challenge that goes with it and that there was a shift you'd noticed from the IT component to business strategy. And I think you mentioned you had uh, a challenge thrown at you along those lines that, uh, and it kind of really, uh, I made a note of it because uh, it really struck a chord with me because I, I agree with you totally that uh, this whole CIO role now is, is going through this transformation where uh, once upon a time we might have had people in CIO roles with um, a pure IT pedigree, but now we're seeing more CIOs with MBA pedigrees and having to know how to work with a business and get back in the boardroom and, and deal with CDOs, you know, chief data officers or chief digital officers and chief risk officers and chief manager, um, uh, marketing officers and so forth. Um, maybe give us a little bit of insight into kind of the, how you came to do the doctorate and what that sort of uh, did to help set you up with regard to this whole challenge of communications and change. And then maybe a bit of insight into that CIO role you had that sort of flowed on as well. We'd love to hear a bit more about that. Uh, sure thing, Des. So, um, you know, my education and upbringing was all math, all engineering. I'm a mechanical engineer by education, did an MBA, and that too with a focus in operations research. So I really had no exposure to, uh, to, to things like philosophy and history. So there was, there was this curiosity and almost a feeling of, of being left out. So quite late in my life, mid-career, I decided I should do a doctorate. And, and it did give me all of that. But I think uh, probably the passion I was able to explore most was an area that through my consulting experience I'd seen uh, organizations, leaders miss, and it becomes uh, really pivotal to success or failure of organizational transformation. So um, sort of a long name, but essentially what I researched was the role of communication in organizations succeeding when they start to transform. And I see this time and again, and I've seen it all through my career, where communication and change management, really understanding and winning the hearts and minds of people, is relegated to, to sort of either an afterthought or it doesn't uh, get the right amount of attention to it. And, and it's so essential. I mean, I, as true as I'm sitting where I am, I believe that becomes a differentiator between success and failure. So, so it, was, it, it, was, it was sort of an, a good experience to go learn uh, and push myself. Uh, but more than anything else, uh, uh, through interviews and all the, the process that you go through in a, in a doctoral thesis, uh, I, was, I was able to, uh, to kind of prove to myself um, and write about what I'm passionate about, which is focus on technology, focus on cloud adoption, focus on innovation, but, but, but don't forget that it's people and it's hearts and minds that have to change for business results to be delivered. I like that line. I um, uh, it it does it, it rings so true in everything I've seen in that uh, with regard to just you've got to win the hearts and minds of the individuals in the company from the front door all the way back through to the warehouse. You've got to you've got to almost get to the point where you turn them into champions, don't you? Because otherwise you're kind of dragging everyone, kicking and screaming to the end goal and the outcome, as opposed to having them champion the outcome themselves. Um, so it's an interesting. It's I think it's an extremely valuable. Um, uh, tool to have in your toolbox, as it were, because uh, as we were talking earlier, that comms piece becomes the the foundational component. I I also like this phrase that I heard recently, where people do business with people, 
And so a yeah. lot of times we forget that people don't do business with companies. You know, when you when you <laughs> sign up with a telco or you go to a retailer, yes, you might be going to a brand or an outlet that's got something you want to buy, but invariably when you get that, you're served by a human being. You're 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 talking to a human on the phone, you know, or even if it's on something like social media and Twitter, there's a human being typing back to you and people doing business with people, particularly the level you're operating at. Um, what are some of the bigger takeaways you've seen? Or, uh, is there a particular anecdote example you could share with regard to where you've now put that into practice? So I'm sure that you've had you know decades of experience in, in, in weaving that into the, the whole uh, the nuances of what you do day to day. But is there a, a particular thing that stands out where you look back and went, you know what, everything I did in the degree, everything I did in that doctorate has now come to fruition in this example, and this is a, a really good sort of takeaway. Is there one that you can share that jumps out like that by any chance? Uh, yeah, and I'll try and bridge that to the, the CIO topic that you had teed up also. Yes. Uh, because I saw that, you know, in that role, which uh, it was an itch I wanted to scratch, I needed to scratch. I'd been on this side of the fence uh, for long, trying to influence change and help clients transform. So I wanted to go back and experience. Um, and really, I, I was quite passionate. It was a very, uh, it, it was quite a, quite a learning journey uh, in terms of how important the business side of the CIO is. And CIO, the role itself has transformed over the years where it's less about uh, the back office and the enabling and keeping the dial tone, if you will, on in terms of IT applications and infrastructure and all that. I think that role has transformed so much to influence change within organizations and really become the, uh, the, the, the catalyst uh, to transformation, innovation, all the terms that we use. Uh, so as I did that, I think probably the biggest takeaway there was empathy. And that bridges over to this uh, the question you asked around, uh, around people and change management. So empathy from the standpoint of uh, let's, of course, uh, understand better what a client CIO in my world today is going through, has going, go, gone through, and not just CIOs, but CEOs and CFOs in the C-suite and the challenges they have, the speed that which change can happen. But in terms of communication, I, I think the, the learning there was their transformations end up creating the haves and have-nots in organizations. Invariably, those that are pulled into the transformation as key players become the haves. And then you've got the masses that see themselves as have-nots. And people by nature, I think, uh, and this is a little bit off my soapbox, so bear with me, Des. But no, go they, for are, it. they are hungry. They are hungry to be included, to be informed, even if they don't participate in influencing transformation. And, uh, and this is something that I share with my clients. I implemented while I was the CIO. Uh, and actually, my CIO role grew into not just the CIO part of the uh, of the role, but I took on the business strategy. So I was glo- I was uh, global vice president of uh, of strategy in addition to CIO. So the combination of two really helped me test this out, and, and it's a learning that that uh, that I take uh, take to our clients, and it, it, they they find it I think interesting, uh, and it's it's always very rewarding to see all these things, piece parts come together, technology and people transformation. I'd love to get a bit more insight into uh, uh, into the role itself in general, if that's okay. So when we think about um, you know the, the role of general manager for global cloud consulting services uh, across the whole of the IBM Global Business Services Business Group, 
Um, could you give us a bit more insight into kind of what that role actually is, what it entails and sort of, you know, what the fit is inside IBM GBS and kind of where it dovetails with the rest of what GBS offers across the, you know, the client engagements? Uh, sure, sure. So um, we talked a bit about early around entry points to cloud. Uh, and as clients are looking at adopting all these new technologies, and really it's about what I call relationship innovation. Uh, and there is there's this customer relationship, which was front and center, continues to be front and center uh, for organizations. But in addition, there is innovation that's happening with suppliers, with employees, with stakeholders uh, across the board. And I think that's influencing uh, organizations to invest in and harvest opportunities for, for innovation, but it's all enabled by cloud. So in terms of entry points to cloud, uh, you know, one big area that we focus on as part of my business is uh, cloud advisory, cloud strategy. So what is the path, what is the roadmap that I and my organization ought to take that is the most optimum for me? And that includes assessing the environment, looking at the industry itself, across industries where there is innovation, where there are opportunities, and, and how do you tr start to transform it? So do I migrate my applications? Do I start to expose APIs and, and build microservices? How do I take monolithic, complex, um, highly integrated applications and start to parse them uh, to, to, to allow for uh, new applications to connect to them, to new for new capabilities to be exposed. So that's sort of the, the strategy architecture part of it. Part of my business. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going Question? to ask you. Um, yeah, just quickly. So, because uh, I'd like to just delve into that a little bit more if we can, and then then I'd like yeah, to hear sure. the rest of what you're about to say. Sorry. Um, uh, but the um, what what does a typical engagement actually look like? So if I if if I was to sort of reach out to you and and, and we're going to invite folk who are listening uh, and read the blogs and hear the podcast to do exactly that, reach out and invite you to take on their biggest curly challenges. Um, what does a, a typical engagement look like? So if I reached out and say, hey, look, Sanjay, we've just got this whole challenge across the business um, and we're, yeah. ex we're exhausted. Um, there's too much disruption. We've got cloud, big data, analytics, IoT, cognitive, yada, yada. Um, and we're not experts in cloud. What, is, what does that first early phase look like? So what are the key steps when you talk about advisory, um, when you talk about developing strategy? And then I think you mentioned before that you, you sort of lay out timelines and roadmaps. I'd love to get a bit yeah. more insight into that because I think there's some magic in that that whole process that people may not be familiar with. So maybe I'll I'll take two examples to try and bring to light that uh, uh, that uh, the answer to that question does, if I may. Yes, please. I'll, I'll, I'll pick I'll pick a telco in Europe, and I'll pick a bank in Latin America, uh, and the telco in Europe operates across multiple countries, um, and they've grown like most telcos have through acquisitions. Um, and every individual country has its own uh, largely regulatory reasons, but also historic reasons on how their um, applications, their, uh, their customer connections, their billing systems, all of that has grown. And as this conglomerate, if you will, looks at innovating and getting speed to market and creating that relationship innovation I talked about earlier, the only way they were going to be going to succeed was to get an understanding of that landscape and then bridge that to 
how do you start adopting cloud and adopting this digital transformation, digital innovation and the capabilities? So they came to us and we engaged with them in an analysis across these countries. Uh, we picked 12 countries and extended the results to the others. Uh, we looked at their landscape and, and like I said, application portfolio infrastructure. Uh, we looked at uh, their transformation needs and laid out a roadmap on how to transform and simultaneously innovate. And speed is of the essence. So in this world, proofs of value and quick experimentation, uh, quick results and, and speed and agility becomes essential. So that's that example. And real quick, the bank in Latin America, um, very traditional bank, uh, core banking systems and, and systems really very, very, it's, it's uh, highly, highly, highly integrated. Uh, the code, and it's been developed over years, if not decades. And their challenge is and was, so how do I get ready for digital? How do I start to separate this out, expose those capabilities, build microservices, adopt cloud, private, public? Which cloud do I adopt in this world of multi-cloud, hybrid cloud? Uh, you know, what is right for which workload was their sort of uh, a conversation point or pain point? So that's how we go about addressing it. And we've got a whole suite of services that we bring to bear to do that from architecture to strategy to roadmaps, et cetera. I see a lot of companies trying to be everything to everyone, particularly themselves, and yeah. especially cloud, because you know I think a lot of companies I talk to, the, the sort of you know, their angle is, oh, we haven't really adopted cloud yet. And I'm like, my response is, well, actually you have, you just don't know it. So in a, yeah. in a boardroom, I'll sort of say, well, hands up, um, uh, who's got a smartphone and you know, all the hands go up and they say, okay, hands up, <laughs> hands up who does banking on a daily basis with, you know, touch pass or wave pass or yeah. online or, or, you know, debit card, mask card, whatever. And it's like, well, you know, do you know where the computer that's holding your zeros and ones with your bank account are? No. Okay. Uh, do you know where the actual money is? No. Do you know where the business itself is? No. Do you know what, and you go on, you know, do you know the data center, the router switch? Okay. Let me tell you, it's in the cloud. Okay. So it may yeah. be in a data center that's infrastructure as a service as in like, could be a dedicated machine acting as IIS, but that's technically the cloud. It's just other people's computers. And when you when you put it like that, they're like, um. Oh. So some people say, you know, I've had CIOs say, I don't trust the cloud. And I'm like, really? So it's like, <laughs> okay, well, let's think about these things. So your health is the most important thing to you. Do you know where your records are? No. Well, they're invariably sitting in the cloud somewhere. Uh, money is the next most important thing in a person's life generally. Okay, where's your money? It's in the cloud. Okay, and then there's your, you know, family and relationships and things around you. But as an individual, your health and your wealth, um, these two big things, you have no idea where these things are kept and records are. You have no idea where, where you can go and touch it. Can you go and kick the server that's holding your bank account? No. So if you can trust health and wealth to that, why won't you trust your email? And you should see, sure. you know, I'm sure you see it every day. The looks on their faces are like they're horrified going, oh, my God, I didn't realize that. But the, the thing I was going to uh, highlight there was um, most of the time, the, the subject matter expertise that they need that you're talking about and that you have in yourself and your team, there's the sorts of things that companies need to bring in and, and trust and empower to help them. Because you know, if you're an automotive, you can't be a cloud guru. You've got to focus on being automotive. If you're a banking or telco company, that, you know, similarly, you should be a banking and telco company, not an IT shop that does banking, right? And I think there's this... Um, eureka moment this aha moment this wake-up call where people are saying okay we can't do it all ourselves who do we reach out to and i think what you've talked about here is that the, all the things that people are now struggling with around uh, everything from strategic thinking about how do we adopt cloud how do we implement it how do we transition to it to the actual you know value proposition of how do you do proof of value this whole journey is something that i'm seeing now with people and i'd love to 
to just move now to kind of some of these disruptions you're seeing uh, within your own team, <clears throat> excuse me, and your clients. Um, do you think it's a case now that people are actually uh, waking up to that and saying, we don't have to be the cloud experts, we just need the right partners to do that? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely that, but it also goes beyond cloud expertise. So uh, going back to our example, and, and we'll, we'll maybe peel another layer on the whole automotive thing, right? So building uh, these applications, in-vehicle applications, uh, at the speed and agility and innovation that uh, consumers are used to on their iPhones, so flashing new versions every day, every other day, the agility that comes with it and using cloud-based platforms to build that, uh, so it, it takes an understanding of the automotive consumer it clearly takes an understanding of the, the automotive design, but it just as much takes an understanding of whether it's retailers or banks or telcos, all of that brought together to present that experience. I'm just, I just happen to be talking about vehicles. We're doing, uh, we have you know, many large airlines that are uh, clients of ours, uh, and we're doing work for them to change the day of flight capabilities, as an example, the experience that you, you right from the minute you walk in to get on a plane, if it's delayed, if it's canceled, all of that. But those experiences require, at its, at its fundamental, require cloud-native development and then connections to systems of record. So this transformation requires all of that. And I think clients are starting to realize that they have to develop their own capabilities in-house. At the same time, they've got to harness across industries and across expert, uh, expert sort of industries or expertise to bring that to bear, to make that change happen. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and, and look, that's a perfect note for us to roll into the next thing that I'd like to, uh, to challenge you with. Uh, we spoke about it earlier, but uh, uh, before we started recording, but I'd love to hand you a virtual crystal ball, if that's okay, and ask you to just quickly gaze into that. And uh, maybe, you know, based on what we've just uh, spoken there at length in various ways, um, with that rapid speed to need to innovate, the rapid transition, and almost in the case where I see a lot of organizations being disrupted by their own customers more than they are by their competitors, if you were to gaze into that virtual crystal ball for me, um, uh, uh, and, and it's one of my favorite puns, and I apologize, but, you know, Watson, the horizon, uh, what, are the, what are the next you know, big trends? What are the big ideas you're seeing coming over the horizon? Um, and it's up to you how far you gaze forward. We won't hold you to it, but, like, you know, whether it's the next 12 to 18 months or three to five years, um, what do you see coming over the horizon at, at yourself and your team and, and some of the organizations you're dealing with in this? Because you've alluded to a great deal of big transitions, big shifts. I'm really keen to get some insight into kind of what you think the next big things are or where we should be focusing on. Well, I think um, we are, if it was a hockey stick or an exponential uh, transformation, we're just at the beginning of one particular transformation that over the next 12 to 18 months, accelerates, but in five years will truly have changed, you know, how we live and behave. And simply put, it is uh, unsolicited. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. It's around sensing, understanding a consumer behavior or just individual behavior and presenting choices for consumption to those individuals. You could expand this to organizations as well. But this idea that when you are on your laptop at home 
and it asks you a question, do you want to share your location? And you click X, which, by the way, means, yes, you're fine with uh, sharing your location, or you say yes. Picking that up uh, today, this is happening today. Uh, organizations are harvesting those cap th that information. They know the vehicles that are parked in your garage, the, your buying uh, uh, you know, capability, if you will, your income, your choices. But I see that really, really, uh, you know, accelerating over the next. And I think it'll change our lives for the good. It'll make life much more efficient. Yes, there are security concerns and so on. But if we just park that for a second and focus on the opportunity, the harvesting of this opportunity of individual sensing of, uh, of, of demand or anticipating of demand uh, is, is really going to transform our lives. It's interesting that you uh, you mentioned the hockey stick. You know, in, effect, uh, in, in a technical sense, it's sort of generally referred to as the J curve, if you like, and uh, yeah. it sort of comes from a, a, an economics background. Really, it's sort of I think originally yeah. it was created to map the the trend of, of a country's trade balance following a devaluation or whatever. But um, it has linked very nicely into that exponential growth we're seeing. Uh, and what, what's interesting is, you know, based on what you're talking about there. Um, do you think we're at a point, though, um, yeah, as we go over the horizon, uh, before we wrap up, I'm really keen to kind of uh, get your thoughts on, um, do you think we're at a point now where um, there may be a tipping point where we need to slow down the pace a bit because it's an exhaustive amount of disruption? Or as you mentioned before, um, companies just need to get better at hiring people with the right skill sets and the right partners like yourselves to help them get through that. Is there kind of a brick wall we're rushing towards as far as the amount of innovation we can sustain? Or uh, are we really, as you just said, you know, at the tipping point uh, at the very beginning of this, this um, hockey stick or, or J-curve where things are going to move even faster and more vertically uh, and we just need to completely reinvent the rule book on, on throw out the old rule book and start with the new one and say, well, what does it mean to, to cope with that demand and innovation? Because surely it's unlikely that anyone wants to slow down. Uh, surely we're just, as you said, we're, we're only just getting started. No, I think I think the biggest challenge uh, does for organizations is to come to grips with two-speed transformation. Or, and you know, we've talked about two-speed IT, but it's it's a it's a spin off of that. But really, there is transformation that is incremental and uh, evolutionary, and there is transformation that is revolutionary around disruption or warding off threats of disruption from the smaller players, the startups and such. And enterprises have to come to grips with the reality that traditional transformation is never going to be enough to disrupt and definitely not to ward off disruption. But in tandem, the two have to happen. So it's not slowing down the pace or continuing down at, you know, sort of neck-breaking pace. But it's the balance of the two because the dependency between that transformation, so as an example, migration of workloads to, uh, to cloud and building up new capabilities, which is that revolutionary capability you're building, the dependencies are very, very significant. And often, you know, embracing that becomes a, a recipe for success, not often, but always. Uh, uh, but uh, what I was going to say is often, not understanding that will lead you to uh, a place you don't want to be in. 
Wow. Well, look, I think that's the perfect note for us to wrap up. Uh, Sanjay Rishi, or I should say Dr. Sanjay Rishi, and congratulations on the amazing uh, research and work you've done on that PhD. Uh, General Manager for uh, Global Cloud Consulting Services inside IBM's Global Business Services. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. It's been great to catch up with you. Indeed. Enjoyed it. Hi there, this is Des. Thanks for tuning into my Pioneers of Possible podcast series. I trust you've had as much fun listening to this episode as I had producing it for you. Now, before you go, I have an exciting exclusive offer to share with each and every one of you. You've heard me talking with IBM's best and brightest right here in my podcasts. Now you get to talk with them in person yourself. And here's how. IBM have given me an exclusive offer to give you, my wonderful followers and listeners, a free one-on-one session via phone with an experienced IBM expert. To book your call with an IBM expert, simply click on the expert advice link in the show description. And be sure to let me know how your IBM expert session goes by tagging me in a tweet with your feedback. Thanks again for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the series. And I'll look forward to talking with you on Twitter soon.